We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Episode 40 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast for We Are Alive. I'm your host, Brittany Brombacher, and with me is Nick Voodoo. Normally I have a way to say hello, but this time all I'm going to say is fuck bitches, Jesus Christ. The end. Fuck, fuck bitches get money. No, we have a reason for that little saner now. Why don't you go on a little rant, because I know you've been dying to, about why you opened up this podcast with fuck bitches. This has been the weirdest fucking week in We're Alive Universe history, to the best of my knowledge. What the fuck is all I have to say? How can someone in one breath complain about oh, so much is happening, and I ha- everything feels like crammed, and you know, someone's pregnant, and someone's this, and they're all down here, and they're doing that, and what about the phone? And, and then at the same time have someone complain in the ne- very next sentence nothing happens, and nothing's moving, and I don't understand. And fuck all y'all. I really didn't have an idea either. I mean, I knew there were the typical trolls on Facebook. Facebook explode. That's all you need to know. It exploded. Nick, te- Nick texted me and he was like, yeah, the full moon or some shit. And I went on Facebook and I checked out the um, the threads and I was like, holy crap. Pretty much, you know, one person in particular who I will not name because I'm above that. Um, I'm not, but I'm still not going to do it. I know. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, he just pretty much said, Nick, that he was done listening to her live because he felt like the podcast had um, gone off. Like, what was his reasoning? It's just the, the episode was shitty and then he felt like there was rushing to the end. And I was like, rushing to the end? How can it be rushing to the end and having so much information crammed in and then someone else complains that this is like watching Dragon Ball Z? Where I love Dragon Ball I Z. I love Dragon Ball Z too until you come to the realization that he is charging the Kamehameha for 17 episodes, and he never shoots it. And when he finally does, it takes 15 more episodes to get to the guy he's trying to hit. <laughs> That's the beauty of it, though, my man. It just it drives me crazy that someone to claim to be... First of all, to any, any, for anyone to claim they're the number one fan of anything is ridiculous. Because there's, one, no way to prove it. Two, no way to prove it. And three, you're wrong because there's no way to prove it. It drives me crazy to say you were the number one fan of anything. Just, just don't. Like, I... I would consider myself a better fan simply because I critique the show, uh, I point out the flaws in the show, but I still like the show. What a concept. But the point is, you know, that people on Facebook, it was just a weird week, and you know, and I think, I don't want to speak for Casey, but I know it's probably frustrating for him too, because it's like, you know, if you want to cr- critique the show, please do, you know, constructive, constructive criticism is always welcome, but there's a difference between trolling and being constructive with it and if you're going to just be a troll on it you're going to get banned from facebook you're going to get banned from the forums because who wants to waste their time putting up with your bullshit right that's kind of how it is and and, uh it it was a very frustrating frustrating week is really what it comes down to it was but you know what it is the end of this week and we are going to move on and it is going to be a happy week damn straight so I will hop into this episode recap. Please feel free to interrupt any of your thoughts, concerns, and or personal issues. What? Okay. I have lots of those. Yeah, you do. Having a baby isn't a good thing? Not when it might not be yours. <laughs> oh, uh, well, come on. I mean, you're saying you didn't? Yeah, we did. But that, that was a long time ago. Well, how pregnant was she? How the hell would I know? 
I mean, how big was she? I mean, like here or out to here? Uh, uh, out to here, I guess. Okay, so um, what is that? Uh, second trimester? I don't know what that means. Well, like four or five months. I mean, that works, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. See? It's probably... But it might not be. Why? Okay, so Saul immediately reacts to the news of Lizzie's pregnancy, and after some further clarification by our good friend Pete, he's pretty convinced it is her, but Saul is worried about the baby not being his because of what he saw at the furniture store. But we do find out that they did do the deed. Yeah. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. Yeah, I wonder if he was chained to the bed, because that would have been really kinky. And it gives you an insight into how kinky and messed up Lizzie is. Oh, no, she's cute and innocent. She would never do that. And she did a guy chained to a bed. Okay, haven't we all? Just that was a joke. Uh, a joke. Wow. A joke. See, no, this is part of my issue. Is I say jokes like I say jokes like this, and then I'm like, shit, I'm a chick, and then people are gonna like think like, oh, Britt's insinuating that she's done a guy on the bed. But no, it's like I'm making a joke from a guy's point of view, but it doesn't work out because I am a girl. Okay, moving on. Get ready. I'm almost there. Shinway radios in some hours later to inform them that she is nearby. Everyone wakes up, minus Saul, who never fell asleep anyway, and heads outside. She's almost here. Get ready. Once I pull my knife, you get the dead bolt. Okay. Go! Like Saul expected, the little ones were outside waiting for them. Our little group bursts out of the elementary school and heads for the back of the Hummer. Once they're all in, they start discussing the little ones. Pete and Glenn confirm that that was Roman, and even today, he looked different than he did last night. Same as what I saw at the door last night, and still, he was different today. So they've seen number 5, 6, 12, and then, was it Victor that made a reference to number 9? No, I think that was Glenn that made a reference to number 9. I heard a number 9 in there, somewhere. Yeah, is it 5 and 6? 5, 6, 9, 12, 12, and then Lizzie's seen 4, I think. Okay. Victor's, Way back in the day. All right. So we're keeping track of the little ones here. Victor says that because they all have numbers, it sounds like someone is doing some planning. Wait, wait. You know what I just thought of? Hmm. Do you know that like really classic old school like high school prank where you have two chickens, you label them one and three, and you let them out in the school? I wonder if Ving's doing that. He sends out like, aha, I got little one wait, four wait, or five. Wait, label, label chickens? Yeah. You put like you you put like a little sweater on them labeled one and Why? the other one number three. So that way everyone's going to search the school for number two with only two chickens? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I never have heard. Okay, I see ya. I, I get it. I never heard of that before. Ink's doing that. He sent out like four, five, six, nine, and twelve. So everyone's going to look for like one, two, three, oh. seven, eight, ten. Never mind. No, I, I got you. I thought it was funny as hell. You go to hell. Uh, it, ha, 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 ha. Okay. Um, so Chinwei is introduced to Pete and Glenn, and Saul tells her that Lizzie is in the colony. Chinwei begins her tyrant of, really? Are you sure? Is she alive? Is that where you'll be going? Questions. Victor then blurts out, she's, she's pregnant. pregnant. Maybe, maybe Saul's, maybe, maybe not. not. What? You weren't going to tell her that part? And after muttering an okay, Chinwei instructs Pete and Glenn to put on a blindfold. They arrive and are all sitting around Dunbar. Victor, Glenn, and Pete discuss the little ones while Saul looks through the bag they found on the soldier's body. Regarding the little ones, they've seemed to come to the conclusion that the numbers drawn on their hands were fresh and not put on there before they turned. Meanwhile, Saul is trying to identify the unit patch he found on the soldier. You forgot, you forgot to mention all the stuff he pulled out of the backpack. He, he, he pulled out a porno at 10.05. <laughs> pulled out porno, chapstick, bullets, satellite phone! <laughs> Broken in half. Damn it. 
<laughs> I've been going off for the satellite phone for two weeks and it's broken in half. Talk about like a red herring. It's just like, oh, Lord. Um, so then Chinway interrogates Glenn and Pete. She wants to ensure that they're not working for the prisoners, and Glenn and Pete scoff. Glenn and Pete are both beat up pretty bad because of what the Maulers have done to them. Are you kidding? You think we would work for people who did this to us? My forearm doesn't look half as bad as the scars on Pete's back. But Chinway said she would not put it past the Maulers to bang up one of their own. <laughs> Pippin. Hmm. Pippin. Pip-pop. Chip, chip, cheerio. Chip, cheerio. However, she doesn't think they're lying, so she's going to let them stay in a safe house of her choosing for a while. Pete and Glenn make it very clear that they do not want to return to the colony. Victor then tells Saul that he has his back, that they don't need Pete and Glenn to get into the colony. Chinway then interrupts and says that's if Saul goes back to the colony. This causes everyone to... Bleh! And she again spits off the questions. How do you know if she's there? What if it's not true? What if they're mistaken? What about the soldier on the helicopter? What if they come back and you're not here? You care more about her than over your own safety or being rescued? Even if it's not your kid? That that one was bad. <laughs> Even if it's not your kid. He cold hearted. And then she bitch. continues. How long did you know her? Maybe three months? How are you sure she still feels the same way? I want to make sure you're making the right decision. I'd hate it if you were let down. You're just not. This is starting your to sound like life. the Spanish Inquisition. What about me in this place and them too now if you're caught? <sighs> You know where we are, you could lead them right to us. And pretty much, you just continue to nag, nag, nag. But then she brings up a brilliant moment. She says, I know you. You run off with your heart and you leave your brain behind. Finally, someone calls him out on it. She pretty mm-hmm. much makes her point on how the entire situation could get ugly should the two of them go after the colony. Chinway then says that she may not be the best at everything, but she's hell of a planner. And without her, they have nothing. Saul then asks her to help them if she's so good. And when she asks, why should I... He says, because it's the right thing to do and we're your friends. She only responds with a, you're my tenants. Is that all we are to you? Yes. Then you are one cool bitch. Um, so then Chinway takes Glenn and Pete to the safe house. And Saul, at this point, is frustrated at a lot of things, obviously. Duh! But he knows Chinway is right and the odds aren't looking very good. Victor reassures Saul that they have time since Lizzie appears to be healthy. Saul then brings up the soldier's patch again. He says he knows he has seen it before, and soon after, he recognizes it in an old picture. National Training Center. Where's that? Fort Irwin. Oh, <gasps> no! Dun, dun, dun. My thoughts, at, at the first time through it, I was like, uh, that's a lot a lot of information. It's, it's again... Chinway's there. We always seem to get lots of information whenever she's on screen. Air quotes on screen. Um, but the thing, the, the thing that stuck out to me, obviously, is the continuing growing evidence to the love triangle. That is very, very apparent now that Chinway has... Are you Chinway talking about fe- the love triangle between me? I mean, Nurse Britt, Pete, and uh, Michael? That's going to be a freaking tetrahedron before we're done. Oh, but anyway. Sorry, Nick. No, the love triangle between CJ and Saul and Lizzie. Um, you know, that, that obvious, that evidence is obviously growing and part, you know, part of me is wondering in those three months that we don't hear about or four months, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, what happened between the two of them did, what was their comfort sex? Who know? I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Cause it's, I, been, no, you never know these things. Casey has yeah. a way of like, oh, by the way, this happened. Yeah. They boinked. Right. The- and at that point, you know. Who's being the cold-hearted bitch at that point? Is it Saul? I mean, un- understandably, she has to know that this is still his goal. He's still carrying on the tape recorder, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know, with her voice. So she's got to know this is always on his mind. 
and they went to the colony specifically searching for her, or for the Mullers, I mean. Um, you know, so it, she always has to know that she's going to play second fiddle to Lizzie. I think she maybe was just hoping that they never found her, so that she and Saul could live happily ever after, maybe. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, kind of the whatever, when they were in the car, and the first thing she said, you know, like, granted, they just, like, escaped from a bunch of little ones. She's like, well, is that where you're going next? You know, like, right in the middle of everything. I was like, okay, well, that's, like, a really appropriate question to be asking right this minute. So, you know. And, that- and I have to say, absolute props to the actress who plays CJ, uh, whose name does escape me at the moment. I do apologize. Um, <clears throat> but she played that so subtly and so beautifully and it was just perfect because she didn't she didn't tip her hand and you had to insin- and you had to take the information in and go oh that's why she's doing it is because of this she didn't just say you know her inflections didn't give away oh yes i absolutely love him she was playing different tactics to it and that just made that so much better for me and i really like this episode i mean not a heck i thought it, i really liked the interaction between cj and honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with the actress. I just love her voice, and I love the way she acts, and I love the way she carries herself, and I just want to keep listening to her. And that was one of the main reasons why I really, really like this episode. Yes. We have some interac- reactions. I'm saying interactions. Reactions from the forum. Horror Hero said, almost a filler episode. Still enjoyed it, though. Merlin1274 said, that was a frustrating episode. Nothing happened. At least we know CJ is upset with Saul. Phone is a no-go. But they have a lead to Fort Irwin. Is operational. Not much meat in this episode for me, but the old guy seems to know something about the numbers. Maybe he will remember. Reet said, This is the first meatless episode I've really enjoyed. I still enjoyed it much less than the action-filled episodes, but you can't always have action. What, Nick? And and that's that's the the thing that this is what tipped off the damn rant, is how can you have an episode that we've just had five different forum members say nothing happened, and then have other people say that where so much is being crammed in. It can't be both. <laughs> it just cannot be both. Well, it's this argument was put to arrest by Z Sniper on the forum, who's also Otto, who is also Victor. He Damn said, straight. Meatless? Come on, people. Casey just handed you a brontosaurus burger with a side of whale slaw. <laughs> I'll shoot him up all the time gets old. My advice, learn to appreciate the nuance. I'm sure you like or hate a lot of the characters for the simple reason that you've gotten to know them through the first slower parts of the episodes. This episode gives you a heck of a lot if you read between the lines. First Saul, CJ, and Victor have been shackled up for three months or so. Saul now officially has spent more time with these two people than anybody from the original crew, meaning bonds have been created. A lot really did go down this episode, as some of you have noted. Not that I'm biased, because I am, but I liked where Casey took this one. Plus, there's a lot to figure out about these damn little ones, and it's nice to have Glenn and Pinch Pete back. Well, there you go. Will you like some fries with that? (laughs) And that was from the mouth of Victor himself. Damn straight. And you know what? I... I, I, I'm, again, on first listen, my initial reaction was, wow, not really that much happened. And then when you go back and listen again, it's like, oh, well, I missed that the first time. And I, oh, I missed that the first time. Oh, and I missed I, this too. And think, there's just, there's so yeah. much there to, sw- to chew on. I think people forget that if we didn't have these kind of episodes, you know, you would never be able to bond, quote, with the characters, like grow to appreciate right. them. And therefore, when they're in action or when this character dies, you wouldn't give a shit. But because of these little, oh, these are meatless episodes, you're able to connect with them. So you need to realize that too. Right. Like, why did everyone care when Samantha was killed? Because we went from having her be a cold, heartless bitch to being. A mother and caring and kind and, and and you know 
so, someone that was af- not afraid to die to someone that was mortified of what was about to happen to her. That arc is what made you care about her dying. Mm-hmm. This arc that we had this episode is what's going to make you care about what happens to Glenn and what happens to CJ, what happens to Pete, what happens to everyone in the in Dunbar right now. That's why we have to have this episode. Yes. Okay. A big topic on the forum was that of the little ones. Lots of theories flying around, so I'll just read a few of them. Reaper239 wrote, Also, I don't think the little ones become behemoths because we've had, we've had behemoths from almost day one and the little ones just showed up a few months ago. And then Adventurous Hero responded with, Perhaps behemoths came to exist from little ones who were never witnessed as they grew up. But when I think back to the hospital episode in which Riley and Kalani came across the Devil's Workshop, I couldn't help but notice that there appeared to be two separate rooms. And when the duo witnessed a chair where various tools lie on the table nearby, a tattoo pen, a couple of ink wells, and I believe some shears, presumably for the little one's claws. Then there was a separate room that had a bloody bed, or was it or was it also a chair in which the door frame to the room had been smashed open as though as though it was like someone had like busted through it. Um I wanna before I continue on here what you guys think about the little ones becoming behemoths. The the thing that I came up with and you know, this is my ever-evolving what the hell are the little ones and what the hell are the behemoths theory because it's now changed in a lot six times in the last three weeks. Uh, what if the behemoths are just a little ones experiment gone awry? Mm-hmm. You know, if we if we are to under, if we are to believe that the little ones are a creation of the one with the markings or ink or whatever you feel like calling them this week, uh, if they're his experiment. Maybe, like, the tough skin and the stretch marks, that thing that, you know, Saul noted when he was uh, dispatching the, the a little one they killed in the field. It, 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 maybe that means it is a, the makings of a behemoth, but he's trying to control it. And he just happened to fail a few times. <laughs> and it just created this gigantic hulking beast of a thing that just grew out of control and became a tank. Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. The irony. Yeah. Um... I really have no, like, I mean, I, I want to say they're kind of related, but, you know, because, Nick, I think it was you that brought up a theory in the forum that even Roman sounded different the next day. Right. So, I... Hearing Roman run, he sounded bulkier. So, I think he, they're definitely evolving, but I don't know if they're evolving into a behemoth. I think it's some crazy shit that Pimpass Zombie's doing. I don't know. Um, Todd is Dead says, If little ones become behemoths, why do we have evidence of both of them at the workshop? If they are created at the same place in a similar window of time, great. But the evidence now does not look that way. I don't know, man. It's quite the mess when you stop to think about it. Kind of like a chicken or egg scenario. And then he goes on to say, Kind of like we were saying, look at this way. Say the behemoths are accidents. Big old giant mutants that mutated instantly. Little ones grew in the proper way slowly. Um... Casey was watching all of this like he always does from the forums. He's always lurking, and you know he's he said that if a topic starts to go awry, he'll jump in and get people kind of on the right track. Um, so this is what he had to say about this whole topic. He said it. I'm assuming he's talking Roman. Didn't grow overnight, but there were some reputable changes to give off the appearance dissimilar to the normal biters. Roman didn't go from five foot seven to six foot seven, if that makes sense, but it was enough to see a change. And Reaper responded to him and said, So in other words, the changes happen slowly but faster than would normally happen, enough so that it's noticeable that a change is occurring. And then Casey responded back. And he said, I'll remain a little vague, but if the little ones were to say five foot when they first saw them, 
and then six foot seven four months later. That'd be an average growth of 0.15 inches a day. That's not a spoiler or saying anything, just math. The changes in appearance, pigment and such, were resembling more like the little ones at a faster rate than just a normal biter. But height difference, if any, would most likely be negligible. So there you go. From the man who created this audio drama yourself. Himself. Them, themselves? Themselves? All of them. Herselves? Himself. Himself. Whatever. Whatever Casey is. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, the next topic was CJ and Saul. Now, we kind of talked about this earlier, how uh, CJ and Saul might potentially become a thing. More like it's CJ chasing Saul's ass. but Or maybe the, already were a thing. Who knows? Maybe they already were. We don't know. But we do have some um, theories. Lucas A. said, I think CJ might just like Saul. She hesitated when she says, you're just my tenant. And Saul says, is that all we are to you? Hesitation. Yes. And if you listen closely, CJ's voice shakes a tiny bit when Saul calls her one cold bitch. And then she quickly regains control of her emotions. She also says, what about me? Pause. In this place. Sounds like she's realized me was a little too intimate and she quickly added the rest. So maybe she has a little crush or maybe Saul and Victor are just more than tenants. But she doesn't react the same way when Victor says he'll go too, which leads me to believe that one way or another, Saul is special to her. I would call that a factually correct statement. I would, too. Um, the next topic was uh, Mr. Pete, a.k.a. Greg Miller, a.k.a. old co-host of We're Not Dead. Soundwave said, I don't understand why everyone has an issue with Pete. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. The worst thing he said was the <laughs> comment about Saul's scar, which is clearly rationalized in this episode. Pete was screwed by Victor and Michael the whole lot. They had a good thing relatively going on at the colony. Not only did he lose all of that, but now he's marked for life. That's not something people are going to want to brush off. You know, I'm sorry, because I think I know where you're about to go with this. So I just want to in interject this real quick. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that Pete's life really altered all that much because Lizzie came into his store last week. You know, it was hey. still his store up until, you know, the end of November. Granted, he got his ass kicked at some given point in time, obviously, because he apparently has scars on his back, which he didn't show, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um... But, Can you, you know, imagine Greg Miller with scars? <clears throat> Do you want to know how I got these scars? There's this bitch scratch. Um, I, I'm now picturing Greg Miller in Joker makeup. Um, no, and again, I, I do want to point out that half the reason I bag on Pete the Water Boy is simply because it is Greg Miller and no other reason other than, you know, I called Pete bitchy last episode. One, because he was. Two, um... Just because it's Greg Miller's character, you know, mm -hmm. just for the fun of it. I understand that everyone likes Greg Miller. You're going to like him no matter what what he does. Yes. I'm just ragging on him because it's Because we love Greg. Um, we do. Greg we roast has, the ones we love. Greg has sent me a statement regarding everything that's going on. Prepared and will, statement through his lawyer. It is a Greg statement, and it was received, it was received via text message. He says, it was hard to leave behind whatever this show is called for my incredibly successful YouTube show up at noon, youtube.com slash start. But Pete's return has lessened the hole in my heart that Casey Whalen can fill. I love and miss you all. Thanks for the support. Beyond. Beyond. Um, also, I think it's July 18th. Casey will be on that YouTube show. It's yes. called Up at Noon. 
And it's hilarious. I mean, if you like Greg at all, whatsoever, even if you don't like Greg, you need to check it out. It's hilarious, and it's really, really funny. And Casey will be on it. Nick, is it July 18th? I heard you say yes. but uh, I want to say yes. I, I want to say yes. He posted it, but I cannot. I, I, I fear going to check on the internet for fear I will drop out of the Skype call. Okay. I want to say it's around then. If not, keep attention to the forum because I'm sure it'll come up there if it's not there already. Um, but I'm really excited for this because I think it's going to give We're Live a lot of new attention and it's going to market to a lot of people. And once again, it will be all because of Greg Miller that a million new people come to listen all to We're Live. Oh, Greg Miller. Yes. That bastard. All right. So the next thing was a lot of people honestly weren't talking about the feature episodes. They were, it was mostly about... Um, the crush between CJ and Saul, or whatever you want to call it, and then um, the little ones in the behemoth relation. But we did get a prediction from Zom Nom about what's going to happen next. And he or she said, awesome, so Saul and the crew now know that Michael and the rest of the gang probably made it to Fort Irwin. Why else would they be sending recon missions out to L.A.? This could get interesting. With CJ convinced it's a suicide mission to go to the colony by themselves, I suspect they plan on calling in the cavalry. So do you think because of this, they think that Saul knows that Michael and them made it to Fort Irwin? I don't see a connection there. No, not yet. I the th- connection, he, no. The only thing that he knows is that <clears throat> uh, Michael survived. Uh, some amount of people survived. He doesn't know who. He just is assuming everyone survived. Um, so he doesn't know about, he doesn't know about her. He doesn't know about Angel. He doesn't know about, well, he knows about Lizzie. Um but, you know what I mean, he doesn't know who made it out of the helicopter or not. He's just assuming Michael and everyone, and his mother and blah, all made it out of the helicopter. So he can just assume everyone's there, but he doesn't know for a fact that mm-hmm. Michael's there yet. So to make that leap of faith, uh, he can't do it yet. And maybe, again, maybe he finds a journal that some like someone, I think you read it last week, oh, some dick's making us... You know, write a journal. I don't like that guy. Someone's writing a journal. Must be Michael. You know, he, there's got to be something to make him make the connection, unless he just randomly calls Fort Irwin to try and get information, mm-hmm. and just happens to contact Michael somehow. Right. So with that, that's all I have. But I'm sure there's things that I had a blown mind moment earlier this week on the forum. Um, and the the or the the conversation was coming up. That, um, well, obviously, you know, what, what does it, what does it mean that, uh, we hear Bert narrating? Well, I think that means that, you know, someone, Bert must have lived long enough to have written down his, his thoughts mm-hmm. in chapter 24, et cetera, et cetera. And that means that at some given point, someone must live. To which I said, no. And I know that I'm not the first one to post this. At least I don't think I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens if Ink finds all the journals at the end, and he's the one telling the story. Oh Lord, that was a twist I was not expecting. <laughs> but that's true. Because if he makes it to Fort Irwin, he finds everything that Tanya scanned. He finds Michael's journal. He finds all this story, <laughs> and he reads it. Fucking my brain melts out of my ears. The end. <laughs> um. So there you have it. So with that, I think we're roughly how long? About almost an hour into this bad boy. Awesome. We are going to cock tease you with. Uh, an actor interview next week. Yes, we are. And we've, it's going we've mentioned to him a lot. Awesome. We did. We yeah. mentioned him a lot in this podcast. So if you can figure out which actor we're talking about, more power to you. And it's a him, obviously. Who? <laughs> that tells you jack shit. Anyway, yeah. So um, <laughs> we will be recording a special episode next week. So make sure you tune in around next Friday. And we will have that out for you. Beesball will have that nice and edited for you and out for your listening pleasure. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also, if you are going to be in the L.A. area around the 27th of July, actually it has to be on the 27th of July. Yeah, um, I would say if you're in the area around the 28th or the 29th or the 26th, you, you're, you're screwed because something happened on the 27th and you missed it. Yes. Um, the We're Alive live recording, you know, we did one last year. I will be there in L.A. hosting and so will my co-host, a comedian. I'm fucking douchebag so I can't remember his name. But it, it will be wow. awesome. <laughs> I promise we will have prizes to give out. There will be trivia and it will be fun. So if you can make it out, try to. If not, try to tune in for the live streaming. And I'm pretty sure, did, has it been officially revealed which chapter they're reading or am I just making shit up? I don't know if it's been revealed. I haven't even been told what chapter they're doing. So I, if you I know. feel I feel like it may have been discussed somewhere on Facebook because I wouldn't otherwise make this up. But I think it's chapter twenty five, or I saw it on the the home splash page of zombiepodcast dot com. Not sure which, but I'm pretty sure it's chapter twenty five. So if you want to, oh, okay, well there start you go. No, reading I don't up on know. chapter twenty five uh, and re listening, I think that's it. Or you know, oh, you know what? That's what it was. It was the artwork, and maybe that's where I'm getting it from. It was the big behemoth chasing after the truck. Maybe that's why I'm just assuming that's what it is. I don't remember. It's okay. late. We'll figure it out. No worries. So anyway, that's going to be a thing that's happening. And other than that, though, I think we're ready to wrap this podcast up. Put a bow on it and slap it on its ass and send it on its way. There you go. <laughs>